Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nbplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. Father, we love you, we bless you. We thank you for the honor you give us, Lord, to celebrate you, God, and, and come together in your name and in the power of your name. Lord, I thank you, God, for every visitor who is here. I thank you for the church that is here. But now, God, as we get ready to hear your word, may you encourage us, inspire us, propel us, ignite us, God, and infuse in us your glory, God. I ask you to use me, God, and in the interim, I promise you, God, I will give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen. Last week, we, we, we were talking about, uh, uh, so will I, talking about the seven expressions of praise and worship and I want to tie that in to um to the to Palm Sunday I want to tie that into Palm Sunday um because what happened on Palm Sunday uh was the beginning of a citywide expression of praise when you read uh the narrative in book of Mark you're going to see that they were all shouting Hosanna Hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord um, so I'm going to tie the praising with that moment. And I, and I want to say that uh, it's important for us to understand that when, when Jesus shows up in the planet, he shows up in the planet for three and a half years. And this week, starting today, a couple of thousand years ago, this week, this day was a quintessential day in the history of Jesus' ministry. Remember, Jesus was always trying to establish the kingdom of heaven on earth without establishing a kingdom in and of itself. Let me explain what I'm trying to say. Jesus didn't come to physically establish a kingdom. He came to establish a kingdom spiritually in the hearts of people and in the minds of people with kingdom mentality and kingdom living. And so he does that, and that's why every time people would try to tell Jesus to, to, to be king, like a physical king, Jesus would always reject him because he didn't come to establish a kingdom. However, this moment, every time everybody or any, which, by the way, when the disciples decided to follow Jesus, they decided to follow Jesus for two reasons. Number one, because of the miracles that Jesus did. When they saw Jesus calm the sea, when they saw Jesus speak to the storms, when they saw Jesus turn water into wine, I'm talking about when they saw it, oh, my God, this guy must be the Messiah. But also as, as being part of Jesus' team, they were thinking this is the Messiah who's going to come and he's going to establish his kingdom and he's going to position Israel back in its place and we're not going to be servants of Rome and slaves of, of Rome. We're going to be a kingdom and God is going to reign and we're going to fight Rome and fight the Caesars. So they, they, they follow Christ because they believed he was the Messiah, but they were also believing that a physical kingdom was going to be established on earth. That's why Jesus said stuff like, my kingdom is not of this world. Okay, because he didn't come to it. But this act of the triumphant entry into Jerusalem is an entry or, or, or a parade that would be done for kings coming into a city. Jesus, this is the only time that Jesus did not say no to this entry. 
to this entry. And saying, I'm willing to go in this parade, he was literally telling the people, I am willing to be acknowledged as king. Okay? And we call it the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ because we're seeing this from this side of the cross. But prior to Jesus walking, this was Jesus' most horrific parade ever. Because it was as a result of this parade that Jesus was going to be crucified. It was after this parade that news was going to get to Rome and news was going to get to the Pharisees and news was going to get to the Sanhedrin that Jesus declared himself to be king, which was going to qualify him to become a candidate for crucifixion. So while the whole, everybody is saying, Hosanna, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Jesus knows this is the beginning of the end of his earthly ministry. He knows after this parade, he's going to die. He knows after this parade, they're going to crucify him. So everybody's rejoicing. Everybody's laughing. And what does Jesus do? Read chapter 21 of Matthew. He goes to the temple. He whips out the, can, the, the, the money changers. I mean, he just goes crazy. He is causing havoc in an effort to expediting his purpose. Notice Matthew chapter 20, 21, the beginning chapter says, Hosanna, blessed is he that come in the name of the Lord. Right after chapter 20, chapter 21 verse 12, after that, Jesus goes to the temple after everybody's Hosanna and praising Jesus. He goes to the temple and he starts whipping people out of the church. What is he doing? He's instigating his crucifixion. Because Jesus knows that he came to the planet to what? To be crucified, to die on the cross. And so, and so that's important to understand that the preamble of crucifixion was praise. While they praising him, he's like, I'm going to the cross. While they praising him, he's getting prepared and say, this is necessary for the Son of Man to be betrayed and to be crucified. But today, I want to continue on Psalms 34 verses 1 through 3. Because we're going to talk about the four different types of praises that the Bible shares with us. We did the first three. Do you remember the first three? The first one was? second one was? third one was? Shabbat. Remember that? Okay. Psalms 34 verses 1 through 3 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. So we talked about Barak, which means to bow down or to kneel before the Lord. We talked about halal, which means to shine, to boast, to celebrate, or to coming to the point of becoming foolish-like. And we talked about shabak, which means to shout out loud or command. This shabak praise is the one we see that was done in Mark chapter 11, verses 8 through 10. And I'm just going to rush by real quick. It says, many people... Spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches and had cut in their fields. They had cut in the field, sorry. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna. That word shouted is the word Shabbat. They Shabbat Hosanna. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered in Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now, now, what, what, what does the Bible show us? That even when Jesus was on his way to Bethany, the crowd shouted Shabbat unto God. Today, I want to talk about the fourth expression of praise. And, 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 and I'm talking about this to you all because I want you to realize and understand that it is important to us to know the power and the purpose and the significance of praise and worship. It is important to understand so that when you come to the house of God, when I come to the house of God, when I'm in my house, while I'm at the workplace, and I start praising the name of the Lord, what does that mean? When I say hallelujah, when I say, Lord, I love you, when I lift up my hands, these mannerisms, is it just something I do that Christians do? Or is it something that we do because we know there's an implication in the spirit behind what I do? And that's important for us to know. That's why I want to take my time in teaching us this so that when we start doing this with this knowledge, we're doing it with the power that this comes with. Now, the next word, you had Shabbat, you had Halal, and you had Barak. The fourth word is the word Tehillah. Somebody say Tehillah. Now, now what does this word mean? Not Tequila, Tehillah. Devil is alive. Tehillah is... To sing unrehearsed, unplanned praises. This is the type of praise that you come about and you don't copycat it from another person. This, this is an organic praise. This is an organic worship. This is a praise that you don't hear in the radio. This is the kind of praise that you don't, you don't karaoke in the middle of it. Because, you know, it, it, it's, easy, it's easy for us to do karaoke worship sometimes. We come here, we look at the screen, and we sing what it says on the screen. And, and we, we can become karaoke worshipers. But when we, when we start giving God the Tehillah praise, what we're telling God is we're going to write a song that comes out of the hearts of our minds and of our spirits. And we're going to sing to the Lord a new song. Tehillah is to sing a song unrehearsed. Now let me tell you, let me give you context. Psalms chapter 34, look what David says. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. What does it mean when, the, when David says, I will praise the Lord at all times? First of all, let me give you a context. Where is it that David is at when he writes this psalm? David is not at the temple. David is not in the palace. As a matter of fact, David wasn't even king by then. Where was David when he writes Psalms 34? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Do you want to know what David is at? David is in the enemy's camp. Under the leadership of Abimelech, the king. And Abimelech was after the people of Israel. Now to get the story. David, who left Israel because Saul is trying to kill him. He goes to the cave, to the wilderness. And then 
Saul is out to kill him. And the Bible said that David went into the enemy's camp because he felt more security in the enemy's camp than he did in his own nation. Now, check this out. The only reason why Abimelech didn't kill him was because when he entered into, into the city of Abimelech, he was acting crazy. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he was acting like an animal. He was foaming out of his mouth. His beard was, was long, and he was acting like a loony, spitting and spitting. And when Abimelech saw him, he said, Ay, bendito. David is losing his mind. David is like an animal. David is going crazy. It is in that context that David writes, I will bless the Lord at all times. I'm not just going to bless the Lord while I'm in the palace. I'm not just going to bless the Lord while I'm in the courts, while I'm acting like an animal, while I'm acting like a crazy guy. I'm going to give God praise. When you start giving God the Tehillah praise, what you're telling God is whether I'm happy, I'm going to praise. Whether I'm in the enemy's camp, I'm going to praise. Whether people don't like me, I'm going to praise. Whether I'm in my worst condition, I'm going to praise. And when you start praising God like that, an unrehearsed, unpracticed praise God will take that praise to the glory of his name and lift you up like you have no idea he would. While he was acting like a crazy guy, God started surrounding him with 400 men that were going to change the history of, I feel like preaching. While he was acting like a crazy man, 400 people that were living in the wilderness began to work and get under the anointing of David. He looked like an animal. He talked like an animal. He spit like an animal, but he had a heart of worship. You would be surprised how God will surround you with people that are going to take you to another level when in the middle of your crisis, all you got is... That unrehearsed, crazy praise that gives God's glory. Listen to me. God is yearning for Tehillah praise. That unrehearsed praise. That I don't need to be in a choir to praise God praise. That they didn't pick me in the worship team because I can't sing praise. That kind of praise. Can, can, can I testify? In 1997, my wife tried to join the worship team in my old church. She, she tried to join the worship team. And so she went for audition. Now, now you, you got to understand that my wife and I, right, my wife and I, the, the, the school we come from, the church we come from, the school, the upbringing, we come from, you didn't have, you, you, you know, you, you didn't take no rehearsal to join the worship team. You just felt anointed. I want to worship, you know, it's one of those. Right, right. So, so be, before my wife and I joined the church we were a part of, she was a worship leader at her church. And it was, a, it was that kind of church where the pastor would say, who wants to part today? And you raise your hand and you come and you sing. So because you sing, you think you're a singer, but, but, but you can't sing. And so, and so the poor guitar guy is trying to catch, you can't sing, and he's trying to find your note. Ding, 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 ding. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember that? And by the time you get the chord, you're like, Dios le bendiga. I mean, well, my, my wife was the worship leader at her church. So my wife comes to a church where there was, you know, they had a band and they had a worship team and they had a choir and they had an ensemble. And so, and so, and so she wanted to join the worship team because she felt she could sing. So she goes to the audition, and, and, and my friend uh, Omar was there, and, and, and Lulu's brother, you know, and, they, and they're there, and they with the piano, and they start, sing this song. And, and, and as she starts singing, she realizes 
I can't sing. <laughs> Woo! I went to sleep in the couch today. That's all right. Now listen, now listen, now listen, listen. Now listen, listen. So, 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 so they tell her, listen, um, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna, to we're, we're mail you the, your answer, whether you made it or you didn't make it. We're going to mail it. And now how many of you guys know that when anybody tells you we're going to mail you, you know that that means you, you, you just didn't get the cut. <laughs> so 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 my wife my wife is my wife is on the way out of the rehearsal and and Omar he said you know what I, I'm he, he said I'm not even gonna waste a stamp on this chick he said listen Betty by the way you didn't make it you just we, we're not even gonna buy a stamp we're gonna spend this, this too much money we, we, you're not even worth a stamp and and, and now, now let me say this let me say this now 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 just because she didn't audition for the worship team just because she didn't make the choir just because she didn't make the worship team doesn't mean she's not a worship Worshipper, uh, because 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 worshiping has nothing to do with the quality of my voice. Worship has to do with the quality of my heart. That I can sing a song in season and out of now. I'm out the couch now, right? Uh, what, what worship has to do with? I, 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 don't, I, I don't need to sing to be in the worship team because God is looking for the heart. God is looking for the attitude. And when you Tehillah God, you say, I don't need a choir. I don't need a worship team. All I need to know is whether I'm in the good or bad, you're going to get a praise out of my mouth. Get up on your feet. I don't know who is your Abimelech today, but in the middle of your Abimelech, you might be spitting out your mouth. Things might look crazy in your heart. Things might look crazy in your family. But the Lord is telling you right now, give me an unrehearsed praise. Something you don't know. Whatever comes out of your mouth, begin to give me praise right now. Let's go. I love you. Listen, God is yearning for Tehillah praise from his people. Psalms chapter 40 and 3 says this. He has put a new song in my mouth. Some of us, we've been singing them old stuff. Kumbaya worship. It's time to come up with a new praise. He put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. And then he says, many will hear it and they will fear and they will trust in the Lord. You'd be surprised how a new song in your own mess can be a witness to the kingdom of heaven. You'd be surprised how a new song in your marriage can bring revival in your home. You'd be surprised how a new song in the middle of your crisis can turn your circumstances upside down. says sing to the Lord a new song for he has done wonderful things his right hand and his only arm look what he says he says his right hand and his holy arm have gained the victory for him when you start praising God not only does God moves his arm but he moves his hand in the times of the Bible, when the king raised his hand, 
can I preach? In the times of the Bible, whenever the king raised his hand, he was about to declare the creed. He was about to declare authority. He was about to declare purpose. But when he raised his hand, what he was saying is, everything's okay. We are in victory. The kingdom's in. I'm here to tell you, when you Tahila God, he raises up his hand and he tells you, your house, your marriage, your home is okay. Because I abide in the praise of my people. That's why you gotta sing a new song. You gotta sing a new song. Every day you wake up, oh Lord, I'ma sing a new song today. I'ma sing a new song today. I'ma singing a new song means I'ma learn another aspect of who you are. Singing a new song means I'm gonna declare another attribute of what you are. Singing a new song is I'm gonna come up with that. Tahila, unrehearsed, unplanned worship. Now listen to this. The fifth expression is the word Toda. Somebody say Toda. Uh, check what this means. It means to extend or raise your hand in thanksgiving for something you haven't received. I'm not praising God because I got a new house. I'm praising God because I don't got it yet. I'm not praising God because I got a new job in my messed up job. I'm gonna praise him. I'm not praising God because I got a new lung. In the middle of my messed up lung, I'm gonna praise him. I'm gonna give God praise because I know that I know that I know that when praises go up, Lord, because I know that you are faithful. I bless you, Lord, because I know that you are a provider. I bless you, Lord, because I know you're a way maker. I bless you, Lord, because I know you're going to make it happen. I bless you, Lord. of the things hoped for. The confidence of what I can't see. I can't see it in the natural, but my praise sees it in the spiritual. I don't have it with my hands, but I got it with my praise, and I will praise the Lord with all my strength. question to you is what do you want from God what do you want from God what do you want him to do in your life my next question is how bad do you want him 
Do you want it bad enough to praise him? Do you want it bad enough to praise him? Do you want it bad enough to praise him? I'm gonna praise you till cancer leaves my body. I'm gonna praise you till my kids come back home. I'm gonna praise you till my marriage gets restored. I'm gonna praise you till you be Psalms 50:23. Those who sacrifice that offerings honor me. And to the blameless, I will show my salvation. Look at this. This word toda was connected. Listen to this. The word toda was connected to sacrifice. In the times of the Bible. When people will make sacrifice, that's why you didn't just have sacrifice for the covering of sins. That's the one we all preach about. But the Bible talks about the peace offering, right? The Bible talks about the harvest offering. There's about 20 to 30 offerings. Now, now every time I wanted God to do something, then I would sacrifice. It wasn't just the, the one that the high priest would do once a year. He'll go to the Holy of Holies and he will sacrifice and he'll forgive and God will cover the sin. That, that was one sacrifice that the high priest would do himself. But then there were other sacrifices that I needed to do myself throughout the course of the 365 years. One was the peace offering. One was the offering of the feasts. So I would come to the Lord if I wanted God to bless my, 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 me, 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 me ganado. If I wanted God to bless my land and bring fertilization to my land, here's what I would do. I would get the best fruit in my land and I would bring it to the altar and I would sacrifice it to the Lord. But I wouldn't just bring that fruit to the altar. With the fruit was that praise that says, I'm going to praise you because I know that out of that fruit, I'm going to have a tree. I know that out of that fruit, I'm going to have a forest. I know that out of that fruit, I'm going to have blessings. So it wasn't just giving an offering of praise. It was a sacrifice of praise. So when you give God the todah praise, what you're telling God is, I'm going to praise you in advance. And I'm going to give you the best of me. Because I know that when I sow this seed, I'm going to have things that eyes cannot see, that ears cannot hear, nor enter the heart of man. Those are the things that God has in store for those that give him the todah praise. There's a connection between what I expect from God. Listen to me. Listen to me. What I expect from God in correlation with what I'm willing to sacrifice. You will never experience the power of Toda praise until you are willing to sacrifice. Oh God, will you bless me financially, Lord? And you didn't even give a penny to the Lord. Lord, can you get me a promotion? And you're so unfaithful in the area you lead in ministry. It, it, it starts with sowing the best of you. And when I sow it, I'm like, that's why, that's why God did not accept Cain's offering. Not because it was the bad offering. It was a great offering. But it wasn't the best. It wasn't the best. He did it to comply. He did it because God said, I want to sacrifice. But when you say, no, I, I'm going to give you the best of me because I know that there, 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 there's going to be a multiplication in this. There's going to be an abundance of this. There's going to be twice of what I'm sowing. When you start operating in that mentality and you start todowing God as you sacrifice, it's, 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 
It's, I want that, but I'm going to give this mentality. Look what James chapter 5, 13 says. It says, is anyone among you suffering? In other words, though y'all have a need, then he must pray. I'm sorry. Then he must pray. I'm sorry. No. Is anyone among you? This, this script is demonic. Okay. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Look what he's saying. You are, if you're sick, here's what you got to do. Praise him. Why? Because your praise in the middle of your sickness says, Lord, I'm sick now, but you're going to do a miracle. Is anyone lacking joy? Praise me. Why? Because somewhere between your praise, your mourning is going to turn into laughter. Somewhere between your praise, your bitterness is going to make you better. I'm here to tell you, you got to learn how to call that God in the middle of so that you can expect what God has for you. The sixth one, sixth expression of praise is the word yada. Listen to this. Sit down, sit down, sit down. Look what it means. It means to extend your hand vigorously as in complete surrender. It's like when a cop stops you. He says, hey! And what do you do when a cop stops you? When you commit a crime? You extend your hands vigorously as in complete surrender. Now, why is God requiring this type of praise from you? Sometimes we feel that we can do things on ourselves. But, but this is the kind of praise that tells you, I know that if I just relinquish my capacities of fighting myself, for myself, and I surrender, here's what God's going to do. God is going to fight for us. When you go like this, what you're doing is, you're telling God, I am going to yada God so that God can fight for me. Remember in the, when, when Abraham was in the mountain and he had his hands lifted up? And every time his hands were lifted up, the enemy was losing. But then his hands got down and they were, the, 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 the enemy started winning. And you know what happened? Every time Abraham would lift his hands, the enemy lost battle. Now, now. What does the raising of the hand imply? What was Abraham doing? He was yadaing God. When the people saw Abraham raising his hands, what they were interpreting is, Abraham is relying completely upon the Lord. And when his hands got tired, two of Abraham's servants went up to the mountains and said, no, 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 you don't understand. As long as you keep surrendering yourself to Jesus, to God, we're going to have to victory. But if you try to fight this on your own, we're going to lose. And so they went and they lifted up his hands as if to say, our victory does not come because of horses and chariots. Our victory comes in surrendering ourselves to the Lord. Look what the Bible says. 2 Chronicles 20, 21 and 23. It says, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord for he endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Sur who were invading Judah. 
Huh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Because Judah and Judah, we'll take it in a minute. Look what it says. And they were defeated. Look at what happens. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men of the Mount Sir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Sir, they helped to destroy one another. What is the Bible telling us? The Bible is telling us that when the enemy came against God's people, they raised their hands to the Lord and they surrendered to God. And here's what happened. The enemies started fighting against each other. And what they couldn't fight on their own volition, when they surrendered themselves to the Lord and they gave themselves to God and they gave God the Jadah praise. God said, if you let me fight your battles, I'm going to kill your enemies and I'm going to have your enemies kill your enemies and all you got to do is lift up holy hands and praise me for the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. So what do you do in the middle of a fight? Here's what you do. Surrender. What do you do when they talk about you? What do you do when they conspire against you? God says, I'll take your surrendering and I'll fight your battles and I'll give you the victory. Listen to me. The word yada is the root word where we get the word Judah from. But yada is the root word of Judah. But the root word of Yadah is Yad. And Yad is where we get the word axle. Axle is the thing in your car, your tire. You have the, you have the rubber tire, and then you have the rim. That rim is called axle. Yad is what causes the tires to turn. Yad is what causes mobilization. When you praise God, when you yada God, in the spirit world, things are turning around. Things are moving. And you can't see it. And it's practically invisible. But when you start praising God and you start yadaing God, and you start giving God praise, here's what God does. He starts turning circumstances on your finger. That's why the battle of David and Goliath was a Yada battle. That's why who defeated Goliath wasn't Saul, the tallest man of Israel. Who defeated Goliath was David, the ugliest, smallest person in Jerusalem. Because God don't need height and strength to overcome Goliath. All God needs is a spirit of praise. And so when you Yada God, and God turns things around, you relinquish your right to fight, and God fights the battle. And last expression of praise in the Bible is the word zamar. Everybody say zamar. What does that mean? To touch the strings, to rejoice, to play instruments. See, this is why, this is why David, before he was a king, he was a zamar worshiper. He had, a, he had a harp. He would play the harp before the Lord. But not only did, did, was he a Zamar worshiper, he was a Yada worshiper. He was a Shabbat worshiper. He was a Tehillah worshiper. He was a Samar worshiper. He was a 
Barak worship. I mean, David, David knew how to maneuver his worship to whatever his circumstance was. David was clear in the power of worship. He wasn't the greatest king. Matter of fact, there was chaos in his family. He wasn't a role model of a king. Matter of fact, I'll say, I can't build my city. I can't build my temple because your hands are full of blood. I ain't going to use you. You don't qualify. But he qualified as a worshiper. And that's the greatness of praise and worship. Praise and worship is a tool God gives us because he knows we're frail, we're short, we cannot do some things. But he says, if you just praise and worship me in the midst of your weaknesses, in the midst of your shortcomings, in the midst of your mistakes, if you learn to praise me and you understand the power of praise, oh my God, I can take your worst moments and turn them into the highlights of your life. That's why when you read Psalms 150, Psalm 150 is a psalm of Zamar. And he says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. I'm sorry. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. And let everything that has breath. The psalmist is teaching us that God should be praised based on this psalm in two places. Read verse 1. Two places he should be praised. In the sanctuary and in mighty heavens. And I close the series as I saw. If angels worship, so will I. If those in the temple worship, so will I. So between the sanctuary which by the way the bible now says in the book in the new testament don't you know that you are the temple of the holy spirit who lives in you so now you become the dwelling place for god to inhabit and in your temple listen the, te the only reason why the temple was built was for two things sacrifice and praise somebody say sacrifice somebody say praise that was the only thing they would do in the temple sacrifice and praise but now god says you are the temple and there are two things God is demanding from us in our lives. Sacrifice and praise. These are two things that when, listen, listen to me. In the tabernacle, there was always sacrifice. 24 hours a day. There was always praise. 24 hours a day. In the tabernacle, there was fire lit up in the candle stand 24 hours a day in the Holy of Holies. Jesus says, you are the temple. So 24 hours a day, you're supposed to be sacrificing and praising. 24 hours a day, you're supposed to be giving the best of you, the best of ourselves. Because God inhabits in the praise of his people. So I close with this. Psalms 63 and 4 says, Thus, or therefore, I will bless you while I live. <laughs> I will lift up my hands in your name. Psalms 104 says, Enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. 
Psalms 134 and 2 says, lift up your hands the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Psalms 141 and 2 says, let my prayer be set before you as incense. The lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. And 1 Timothy 2.8 says, I desire therefore that the men pray where? Everywhere. Lifting holy hands without wrath or doubt. We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.